0: Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire
1: is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. This morning, uh, somebody who's been a part uh, relationally with our family for over 40 years. Uh, I've known him that long, apparently. I, kn- I know that. Uh, he and his wife, great people, great family, and uh, has a, he'll share a little bit about his journey uh, with you. A great pastor, great prophet, uh, even a chaplain for many years. Uh, he taught a class that I attended in the police academy. It was great to see you there. It was a surprise visit, but that was great. Did a great job with that as well. But I just I want us just to uh, relax today, just enjoy some things from the Holy Spirit through uh, Abe Morricade this morning, and I know you'll, you'll appreciate what he has to say. He's a, man, a great man of faith, man of integrity, and, and, uh, and a man who loves God more than anything. And uh, his wife comes in second, I think, but that's, that's good, and he has a great, wonderful family. And uh, so, Abe, would you come at this time and just share what God has put on your heart uh, for us this morning? Would you welcome Pastor Abe as he comes this morning? nice to
0: come into the 21st
1: century. (laughs) Last
0: week, Pastor Earl said he was pushing 100. I'm only pushing 70, so that's okay. I actually miss him this morning, but he's preaching in Shelton. Uh, Which, incidentally, sometimes when we're not here, which we consider this our home church, we are uh, either ministering somewhere else or sometimes a family obligation, and on occasion, we even backslide and just don't come to church. <laughs> now you've never done that, I, I know for sure, but, but it does happen. Um, as Pastor Steve was saying, we've known the Bradley family for, uh, I think it's like 42 years, it's been a long time. We have a long history together, fellowship together, been uh, in the ministers, Uh, fellowship together, and also way before that, Northwest Pastors Group that was meeting in the Tacoma area, we'd meet on the first Monday of each uh, month, and it was uh, a time when uh, I not only got introduced to some um, pastors of like faith, but also introduced to the prophetic, and Even though I've pastored for about 35 years, and and as Steve said, was a chaplain, uh, police chaplain for about 20, uh, the primary gifting uh, that I was discovering as I was fumbling around pastoring all those years is really prophetic. And so, uh, as I'm speaking this morning, I would like to speak with a prophetic flavor if you would allow me to do that, okay? And um, uh, I, uh, I want you to know that uh, I, I've been privileged in, in a very real way to have been uh, invited to minister in about 20 different foreign countries. And uh, in and during that time, uh, we experienced some things in God that were really spectacular. And um, I know Jennifer is up here worshiping, and she has enough energy for all of us put in one person. She's an amazing person. Uh, And uh, let me digress for just a minute. Did you see me digress? Okay. all right. I digress. I'm here uh, not to preach at you. And I'm not here to correct. I'm not here to admonish. I'm not here to straighten this church out. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just add a line. Because the Bible teaches that we're built precept upon precept and line upon line. So what I'm going to preach is not the entirety, not that it isn't important, but it is is not the Entirety. nor can anyone ever put the whole truth into one message and deliver it in 27 minutes. But uh, I saw some simplicity in the things of God in traveling around the world. And I know here in the United States, we have a tendency to complicate things if something is simple, we will complicate it. Uh, recently, uh, my wife and I were at a dinner party, and we were all Christians at this dinner party, except one person that the rest of everybody considered not to be a Christian. He was Catholic. <laughs> now, I was raised either Eastern Orthodox, which is kind of like Catholic, only We're better. No. (laughs) They had one pope. We had five patriarchs. I mean, you know, five is better than one. Anyway, uh, so so, uh, the dinner party progressed. We had some good food and good fellowship among the Christians. And finally, this Catholic person started asking some questions. And he was directing the questions at me. And I was a guest at this dinner party. So he's asking all of these questions about salvation and the Bible and trying to understand who we are and what we believe and what goes on in our different kind of church because we don't have the bells and the smells that he grew up with. We have this, you know, fancy lights and electronics and all the other (laughs) stuff. So whenever he asked a question someone else would come alongside and, and complicate it. Yeah. <laughs> well, first you have to give up your saints, and then you have to stop praying to this person and take all of your trinkets off, and then uh, he'd ask another question, and I'd want to answer, and someone else would pipe up and say, well, your baptism wasn't quite good enough. You have to do this, and you have to do that. And I'm thinking, God, let this guy get saved. Yeah. <laughs> We're complicating it. We're making it too hard. Yeah, absolutely. I was raised, as I mentioned, Eastern Orthodox, and I had a young woman who was, miraculously healed of polio in a crusade that was working for me at Montgomery Wards. And she witnessed to me and told me all about the things of God. And they invited me in their home and they loved me while I was drinking and smoking and doing everything else that sinners do. And they told me that what I had to do to get saved is I had to come to church. And at the end of the service, there was be an altar call, and at that altar call, I would go up, and that's where I would confess my sins and ask Jesus to be my Savior. Well, I think that was pretty simple, but I also think it was complicated. Right there, standing in Montgomery Wards, all she had to do is say, Just ask Jesus to be your Savior. Yes. That's right. yep. Now The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he said to them, 2 Corinthians something, and I'm glad they're not distracting me by asking me which verse, but it's in 2 Corinthians. Take my word for it. It's really there. The the Apostle Paul said concerning the Corinthians, he said, I'm afraid for you. I'm fearful that just as the serpent beguiled or deceived Eve, you too would be deceived from the sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Now, one other translation, I think it's the King James, says that you would be deceived from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. Now, God didn't make it hard. We have a way of complicating it what God did is present a simple premise. He took all the books of the Old Testament and said, he's coming. <laughs> That's, true. That's all the Old Testament is about. And with all respect, who cares what the blood, excuse me, the bud on the staff of the, of the means Who cares how many pillars there are? Who cares what is that unless it's pointing to him? John wrote in the fifth chapter of the Gospel of John, he said, search the scriptures. In them, you think you have eternal life. You won't find it in the book you find the person in the book. The book is pointing to the person. And I want you to know, for all the years I've been a Christian, I honor and respect this as the word of God. But above this, I honor and respect the word. In the beginning was the word, the one that was alive, not the letter. The scripture says the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And when we come to Jesus in simplicity, without complicating it, something happens, and the person of the Holy Spirit comes and inhabits us. Way in the beginning, the angel spoke to Marian says, you're going to have a child. And I know in one translation it says you'll call his name Jesus. But in another place, another gospel, it says you'll call him Emmanuel, which being interpreted means, does anybody know? God with us. The whole program from Genesis to Malachi was pointing to him. He's going to be with you. Second Corinthians says, come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean thing. And I'm going to receive you and I'll be a father to you. You'll be my sons and daughters. The whole program was that God wanted to inhabit us. Mark, I think it's chapter four. Jesus goes to a mountain, and he says, I want you, you, and you to come. He called his disciples to him. When he called his disciples, he didn't say, I want to start a movement. He said, I want you to be with me. He said he called his disciples so that they might be with him not to start a movement, although something transpired, but to be with him. So what is the point of it? The point of it, going back to the Old Testament, everything's pointing at Jesus. Who had the privilege of being filled with the presence of God? Moses, the high priest, a prophet here and there, a designated person, but it wasn't everybody. When they wanted God, they either went to the mouthpiece or they went to the temple where the presence of God dwell. It doesn't work anymore. We don't come here for God's presence. We don't go to some Christian Mecca for God's presence. We don't have to pray in a certain direction for God's presence. When you, as a believer, walked in this place, you brought God with you. I never, ever pray, oh, God be with us while we're here at dinner. Oh, God be with me while I'm traveling. He is with me. He promised never to leave or forsake us. So Jesus calls his disciples because there is going to be a transition. I want you to be with me. Part of the transition happened when Christ was crucified. The veil in the temple was split in two and the presence of God left there never to dwell in a building again. Never, ever to dwell in a building again. Because Jesus said, I want you disciples, I'm calling you to be with me. Jesus said, maybe I'll turn to it, Gospel of John, chapter 14. If anyone loves me, we do. Amen? And like the song said this morning, nothing can separate us from the love of God. When we were at that dinner party, I kept saying to this man, forget water baptism, forget your saints, forget this, just love God. That's easy for a Catholic. You don't have to convince them that there's a God. You don't have to teach them about forgiveness because they know about that, and certainly you don't have to tell them about sin. They know all about sin. It's drilled in their head from catechism. Just love God. What's the consequence of loving God? You obey him. (laughs) You walk with him. Somehow all the stuff fluffs off, and you get a little closer. And what's the greatest commandment? They tried to trip Jesus up. We, We know by reading the scriptures, the greatest is love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. With all your energy, just love God. And the rest of it will take care of itself. You love God, you start reading his Bible, you learn more of him, and then you'll get baptized. And then you will get filled with the Holy Spirit, and then you will walk with God, and then you will get along. And then all this stuff happens. It's real easy. So Jesus is saying here, because it's in red letters, I'm I'm sure it's him. It says in verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now, From there, it goes into chapter 15 of the Gospel of of, uh, John. And every time I have heard someone preach about the Gospel of John, chapter 15, it's painful. It's not a message that I just enjoy sitting through because it talks about pruning and it talks about I'm going to cut you off and this is going to happen and that's going to happen. But you know... That is just a very small part of the 15th chapter. Nine different times Jesus said, remain in me. What's the whole point of it? Come to me, all ye that are burdened and heavy laden. See, this is what it's all about. Come to me. So we come to Jesus, right? We come to him, the disciples came to him and they were on this program called on-the-job training. Because he was gonna take them on a journey for three and a half years. He was going to show them how to heal the sick. He was going to show them how to preach. He's gonna tell them the Beatitudes and what's most important. He's going to say, hey, watch me walk on water. He's going sh- to show them how to trip up the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He's going to show them what it's like to be God in earth. So he took three and a half years, and he invested his life in those 12 disciples. Not that he didn't preach to the multitude But he wanted those disciples to be able to see him and to hear him and to touch him. So consequently, in the first chapter of the epistle of John, he begins by saying, that which was from the beginning. Now, in my book, that's Jesus. Because Genesis 1, God said, let us make man in our image. And I'm not here to give you the whole theology on the Trinity, but we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And somehow, miraculously, they are three persons with distinct personalities, but they all are one. So John said, that which was from the beginning which we have seen with our eyes and we heard with our ears and our hands have handled of the word of life. That is what we are declaring to you so that you can have a relationship with the Father. Now, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. I don't like that song. It's an old song based on a scripture because what Jesus was talking about was not, if you exalt me, I'm going to draw all men to you. He was saying, if I am crucified, if I'm lifted up on the cross, that is going to draw men to you. So Jesus said, I'm going to go be with my father, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you without the comfort of my words. I'm not going to leave you without the support and encouragement, without the direction, without the counseling, without the teaching. I'm going to send another to be with you. Now, I am a man, and Pastor Steve is a man, but we are different. He's better looking than I am. He's taller than I am. He doesn't have to wear glasses. Yeah, I do. Oh, okay, I'll take that back. He, he, so, and he wears his watch on the right hand. Are you left-handed? You could never be a priest in the Old Testament. Aren't you glad you live on this side of the cross? <laughs> He, if if they were born, they're left-handed. there left handed they could not be a priest. So Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you another. Now, we are both men, but we're different. Yeah. Yes. He wasn't talking about, I'll send you a different one. He said, I'm going to send you another one just like me. Yes. That's what the Holy Spirit is. Yes. Yes. Just like Jesus. Yes. So So the chair you're sitting on is a chair, and the one to your left and right is another chair. They're identical. That's what Jesus was talking about in the Gospel of John. I'm going to send you another comforter to be with you. Now, back in the Old Testament, just special people got filled with the Holy Spirit. This side of the cross, you look at the first chapter of Acts it's to you and your children and all who are far off. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. So the other comforter is not someone I find when I go to church or go to a special meeting or when I have the pastor visit or if I pray hard enough, maybe he'll come. It's the one who comes to indwell me. Yes. 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 Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, I want you to be with me. He hasn't changed that program. We need to stop complicating the gospel and just be with him. We, we don't have to be smart to be a Christian. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> we don't have to think up our programs. To, we, don't have to, we don't have to do something right. to be a Christian. Yep. I, I have had people... Throw this scripture at me in Philippians something. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Really? I can't work out my salvation. That's not telling me to work. We're saved by grace, by the wonderful salvation through Jesus. For it is God who works in you to will and to do his good pleasure. Working out our salvation, in in my estimation, is just hang around Jesus, and now the person of the Holy Spirit. Just be with him. As I was saying, we, we don't have to be smart. Paul said, I didn't come to you in enticing words of man's wisdom but I came with the demonstration of the Spirit of God, the demonstration of power. That's incredible. Come with the demonstration of God's power. He wasn't eloquent by some standards. He was able to hold his own when he was debating the Greeks and and so forth in the whatever, amphitheater. He was well-learned. But he didn't lead by his learning. He led by the anointing of God or the presence of God in his life. That's what made the difference. Jesus is still saying to you and me, be with me. This is what it's all about. Come be with me. You know, we don't even have to have new revelations. An old saint, Brother Kevin Connors, used to to say, I've got the book of revelations and come up with new revelations. Well, he's talking about coming up with new truth and understanding in the scripture, which is wonderful. But we don't have to come up with something new. We need to keep it Simple. We need to stay with the very basics. We, uh, Jesus said something. How am I doing time-wise? I'm fine? Okay. Um, you know, one time a preacher took his watch off and put it on the pulpit, and someone back there said, well, what does that mean? And the preacher said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway... Um, uh, the truth in scripture as i mentioned before points to jesus he was the way the truth and the life in acts when the disciples were followers of jesus they were accused of being followers in the way because they wanted to be with him and they understood something dynamic happened in acts chapter 1 and 2 when the presence of God came and dwelt there. Now, we need to come to a place where we see with our eyes and we hear with our ears and our hands handle the things of the word of life so that we have something to give that's not concocted, that's not another thing i in in 40 some years of being a christian i've been to a lot of conferences and presented with a lot of programs and every time a program is presented it is This is going to be revolutionary. It is going to spread the gospel around the whole world. People are going to get saved. Things are going to happen. We're going to have a Christian president and a Christian congress, and man, we're going to have it all made. God is going to come and inhabit the earth now. One time there was a program where where they give you the addresses and the Bibles, and then you mail the Bibles. All you have to do is pay the postage. I can't remember how many thousands of Bibles our church mailed. You ever do that here? No. You saved a lot of money. (laughs) Programs. If you use this particular evangelistic tool, you know what the program is? I didn't come with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but with the demonstration of power. Don't need the fancy electronics. Need God. Paul wrote after that, and he said, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for him. Now, if we stop there, folks, we will be very miserable. I mean extremely miserable. I want my eye to see. I want my ear to hear. I want to handle the things of God and the word of life. But Paul went on to say, But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. So he doesn't leave us in despair. He leaves us filled with the presence of God so that when we go to work, we're bringing God with us. When we go to the grocery store, we're bringing God with us. When we're going to prayer, God is coming along. It's not praying with ourselves. so that we could hear what's the Spirit of God saying now, today, while I'm standing in line waiting for my pharmacy, my prescription to be filled, and this woman standing there with this really, really sick baby. What are you saying, Holy Spirit? What do I do? When we're in the grocery line, and and I just thought of this earlier, this happened to a a woman in our church, in a grocery line, and and the, the debit card or whatever this woman used for her baby food is rejected, what do I do? I reach in and pull out the money and pay for it. That's what the Holy Spirit says. Let there be some demonstration of the power of God. I was in a meeting in Africa. We were three hours late for this meeting. So there's about 800 or 1,000 people sitting under kind of a tent outside in the sweltering heat and humidity. And they're there waiting for us. So we come and we walk in the church and, and whoever it was greets us and says, no, we have to feed you first. We're three hours late. These people, I mean, there's kids and people, all they're melting in this heat. Not as bad as we were melting, but somewhat. So we eat, an hour later, we go in there, and a man stands up. He must have been in in his 70s or 80s, and he had a can of dried beans, and he took that can, and he just started shaking it like this, like your drummer used once in a while, but it was a can of dried beans, not a fancy instrument. He shook it for about a moment, and then he said something, and those 800 or 1,000 people erupted in worship. And the power of God and the presence of God and the anointing God just flooded that place. They didn't have a microphone. They didn't have fancy electronics. They didn't have anything. They had a can of beans and they had a heart that had been in the presence of God. In the different places I've been at, One of the things I've seen is that the churches throughout the world are trying to copy the church of the United States of America, Western culture. And you know what? We're making them worse than we are. We're corrupting them in some ways. If I get a bigger speaker, if I have louder electronics, if we have more people in the front, then they'll worship. Well, they didn't need that in this African church. And then when the presence of God came down, that's when people started to be healed and delivered, and, and all kinds of things were happening. Another place I was at, and, and this was a, a group of pastors that came together, and they were sick and infirm and can't afford doctors and stuff. And then one guy walks up, and he has a basketball for a stomach. His jacket wouldn't button. And the power of God healed him, and he was able to button his jacket. Another person comes up with this goiter sticking out, and and God touches and heals him right in front of our eyes. Folks, that's what we need, so that we are hearing what the Spirit of God is saying to us. He wants us to be with him so that we could see, and we can hear, and we could touch and handle the things of God. These hands can't heal anybody. But when he tells us to lay hands on the sick, it's just in obedience that we do that, and he does the rest of the work. I can't convince anyone to get saved, but when I could simply tell someone, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, then the Spirit of God has something to work with and take and convict them of their sin and convict of righteousness and convict of just judgment. If we've ever needed to be spiritual, it's in our generation I hear a lot and read a lot about millennials, and I don't understand who they are. It's beyond me. I can't, I can't wrap my head around it all. I'm, I'm in the baby boomer generation. We boomed, <laughs> and sometimes we just kept booming. <laughs> anyway, we, um, they are looking for reality. Yes. They're looking for something real. They don't want to be preached at. They want to see a demonstration of the real thing. Amen. You, you talk about healings, you talk about Jesus, you talk about the power of God, let's see it. Yeah. 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 You talk about deliverance, let's see it. You talk about revival, we need to see it. It's not going to come with a program. God doesn't need our help. I don't say, oh, God, what do you want me to do for you? He doesn't need me. He's asking me to be with him. Mm-hmm. And by being with him, we are partnering in what he is doing, not asking him to bless us. See the difference? Yeah. So in, in simplicity, I'm asking you, I'm imploring you as a people, as individuals, just love God with all your heart. Just wake up in the morning and say, God, I'm going to love you with all of the energy that I have today. I'm going to be simple about my faith. I'm just going to be who you want me to be and not try and put on some kind of air. I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit that you placed in my life have expression to me so that I can hear what he's saying and I could just be the obedient servant. God promised to live in you and dwell in you and be your father and you're going to be the sons and daughters. Just be a son and daughter. My son and daughter don't have to prove to me that they're my kids. They look like me. There's a message in there. They talk like me. They walk like me. But what did God say? I'm going to walk among them. Isn't that what he did with Adam and Eve? Yes. Sin changed that. The cross restored that. Yeah. Right. Amen? Right. Good Amen. Yeah, right. Amen. Let's stand together, please. You bow your heads and pray with me, and then I'm going to ask the pastor to come and... Our Father in heaven, we are truly grateful for your presence. That in simplicity, we can love you. That we could walk with you. That you've given us all these great and precious promises. And then we could just walk in your presence and obtain grace and help in time of need. Let us be your instruments in your hands your servants, so that we can touch this world with the presence of the living God. We trust you in the name of Jesus.
1: Amen. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast.